Hello, hello. Hope all is great with you. This is Dan Pierce, and you are with me on the Mentally Fit Podcast. Today, we are talking with Dr. Bessel Vanderkock, MD, who is a leading trauma expert, trauma researcher, and trauma educator to therapists and different professionals who treat trauma. He is a master in his field, and I'm really looking forward to introducing you to him. And one thing I know is that from talking with a lot of people, that when many people think about trauma, they often think about soldiers returning from war or somebody surviving a near-death experience. But it turns out trauma is actually more common than you might think, and it isn't always as big as going to war or being injured. It can be things like being rejected by a parent as a child or witnessing violence inflicted upon somebody else, or any number of things that might even seem insignificant to other people. Because what traumatizes one person might not traumatize the next, Um, There's a lot of factors involved with that, including that person's resiliency. But one thing is for sure, if you are a human being, there's a good chance you've experienced something traumatic in your lifetime. So today on the podcast, we're talking with Dr. Bessel Vanderkock, one of the world's leading top trauma educators, and exploring what it means to experience trauma, how we can protect ourselves against it, and how we can recover if we've been affected. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I hope you are too. So let's jump right in. So you have a podcast and is that what you do for a living or? Yeah, so uh, actually what we do, our company is called Mentally Fit and we're an online community of over 40,000 people that are seeking better mental health. Our mission is just to make mental health a normal part of everyday life for people worldwide. So we're making it more accessible, like affordable, and relatable, basically. Good. Yeah. Okay. Um, I read your book. Love it. Good. Um, it was very informative. And, you know, as somebody who's been through uh, trauma myself in the past, sort of what inspired me to start Mentally Fit was I had my own challenges with addiction and mental health growing up uh, throughout my teens and young adult years. Um, and this book really it helped me understand the whole process of trauma better. So thank you very much for that. So for people who don't know you, would you tell us about yourself and the work you do? So my name is Bessel van der Kolk. Uh, I've been studying, I'm a psychiatrist and I, a neuroscientist. I've been studying uh, the effects of trauma on people for 40 years or so. And I wrote this book uh, called The Body Keeps the Score. That's right now sort of the book on the subject. And I've always run a laboratory where uh, we study what happens in the brain and where we study innovative treatments. And for example, my most recent research has been on neurofeedback. And currently we're studying the effect of MDMA or ecstasy on treatment of PTSD. Amazing. That's really important work. And I know so many people out there are struggling with things like PTSD right now. So this is such an important topic, especially right now um, when it comes to PTSD, trauma and all those things. Um, Could you tell us how you got into this line of work? What got you interested in trauma? You know, the spirit catches you and you fall down in a way. Uh, you, You know, these are not rational processes. In my book, I sort of give a little bit of a story uh, to make a nice story. But, uh, you know, how do you fall in love with somebody? You know, you're like, 
someday you just meet somebody, you say, wow, this is the person. And then these are very subcortical processes. But what really impressed me and how I started my book very much is I was struck by how soldiers basically love each other. And the reason why they can go to war is our, that they build up this intense loyalty to each other and that uh, trauma is sort of an event, but more, most importantly, it's a destruction of human trust and human mm -hmm. connection. And so I've always had a very interpersonal view and uh, a, a non-individual view of, of trauma. And I see it very much as a social phenomenon, even though what we have studied most of all is how it affects the brain. But it affects also your brain in your capacity to feel safe with other people, to feel comfort from other people, to feel pleasure with other people. And it's all very interpersonal. Mm, yeah, and it's not just uh, soldiers returning from war, right? It's uh, a lot of people who have been through different situations in life, um, and they have what they call big T and little t traumas. I don't like those words, actually. You don't like those words. Why is that? Oh, I hate, I hate those words. Uh, <laughs> how, who are we to judge what the little t is, what a big T is? Mm. You no, know, that's purely the outside observer. And for you having a parent who is a drunk, which may be little t, may be a horrendously complex issue. Uh, being an unwanted child is a horrendous issue, but it would be labeled as a little t. Uh, um, so so we, this field started off, our first definition of PTSD was uh, something has happened to you outside the, of the realm of human experience. And stupidly, we really believe that. Mm. And then very gradually it dawned on us that trauma is ubiquitous. And we thought that trauma is something that happens in the military. And then slowly emerged that uh, kids all over the world are being traumatized. At least half of all kids in the world are exposed to physical or sexual violence. Um, and that it's not uncommon at all. In fact, that we had been blind to the reality of what people have to cope with. And so a very uh, strong orientation for me became is that we are all copers. And even people who make repeated suicide attempts, who starve themselves, who cut themselves, that is their way of coping. And that we're basically people who try, who try to survive. And sometimes we survive by doing things that we don't feel particularly proud of. Um, but all these things originally are in the service of survival. Nice. So it sounds like you're, you're not so much a fan of the labels um, and that trauma is something that happens to everyone in life. And it's just how do we everybody move forward? Did. There's a few lucky ones. Okay. <laughs> I, I think the lucky ones are a little bit dull because they believe that everything is right and just. And once you have been traumatized, you need to be more creative in finding new solutions. Mm. Yeah. So what kind of cases do you, um, have you studied the most? Um, what sort of traumatic cases come up most often? I have done, it's, it's hard to, for me to hear a story that I have not heard before in some ways. Mm. Now I've worked in 
South Africa, they have worked with indigenous population in Australia, and I've worked with the kids around the corner from me in Boston. I've worked with soldiers, like, like you name shit, I've worked with them. That's amazing. So what, uh, what's the common thread between all of those groups? Like they're having different experiences, growing up in different types of societies, receiving different messages. Is there anything that ties it all together? Uh, well, there's, of course, there's several things. One is that when you're traumatized, you, be, you tend to become reactive and you tend to be scared and angry. And the being scared and angry makes it really hard to learn new things from experience. And so the first order of business is how do we establish a sense of safety so that our mind is not defensive, but our mind is open to take new things in. And that can be a very, very great challenge. And one of the earliest observations somebody ever made about trauma is that traumatic people get stuck. And why do they get stuck? They get stuck because they feel like their life is in danger. And when your life is in danger, you are always looking around for what bad things are going to happen. And your heart isn't open for good things to come in. And so the, the great challenge is to help people to open up the heart uh, to let goodness come back into themselves. Mm, yeah, but first they have to establish that sense of safety and security. Is that right? Well, somehow they or the world around them, and something I'm very much into, uh, given our current political situation, is that I've seen very much how the role of leadership plays an important, terribly important role. Uh, so if you have parents who really, really are there for you, they can help you to feel safe and to deal with your trauma. When you were in South Africa at the time that Nelson Mandela was sort of beginning to make things happen and Bishop Tutu and people like that, you really felt like, wow, these are guys who are really having our best interests in mind. And so we can relax and allow things to happen. Uh, our current political situation is horrifying in terms of that we clearly have a president who is out for himself, who has absolutely no capacity for empathy and to help other people feel better and no commitment to make people feel better. And that, of course, tremendously aggravates the onslaught of the current uh, COVID epidemic. But you cannot trust what people say, that there is no interest in finding out the truth is a major handicap right now in the world that we live in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because right now I know a lot of people are going through uh, what might be a traumatic experience by losing jobs, loss of normalcy, yep. loss yep. of a loved one potentially. Yep. And yeah, it's just a really difficult time. And like you said, there's the leadership has been uh, fractured to put it, uh, you know. And dishonest, and corrupt and deceptive. You know, yeah. We need to call it for what it is. Mm -hmm. As long as we keep beating around the bush, it's, it's going to continue to happen. Huh? So you need to be very clear. At the time of a crisis, you need an honest, dedicated person who is there for you to help you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so if that top-down leadership is uh, not fulfilling that role for us, 
how can we fulfill that role for each other and uh, in the community? And that's, of course, something we see emerge. Uh, and uh, I'm sure that you, like I, see a lot of kindness because part of human beings is that we are kind. And we're also wired to be kind to each other. So you know, our, I see all about me, um, uh, people organizing themselves to, uh, to form communities, to sing together, move together, provide things for each other. And so that's part of it. But um, the, the core issue still is the sense of safety. And what you oftentimes see, and you see it right now in some communities also, is a, a real understanding that we need to make each other feel safe. And so you see generosity and uh, altruism and people knocking themselves out. But if, when you do that, you feel unsupported. Uh, for example, um, I'm very tied up with a lot of physicians' organizations right now, and everybody says, oh, these doctors and the, these nurses are heroes. And my reaction is, well, you know, that's what you go to medical school for. That's what you go to nursing school for. And you feel proud of the fact that you dare to deal with very, very difficult situations and situations where people may die and where you're at risk. And that is what your identity is. That's what I do. Huh? Um, I want to be that sort of a person. But then if you work for a for-profit hospital that cuts your salary or that penalizes you for, uh, for uh, doesn't protect you and doesn't give you the protective equipment, then the betrayal of the leadership becomes the trauma. It's not that you have to deal with very difficult people. It's the fact that the, that the people who have power over you uh, put your life in danger and don't protect you. So this issue of leadership and feeling protected is terribly important, very important for kids. That, um, what is trauma for kids? It's not what happens outside of them, it's how their parents protect them. And if you feel like your parents are on your side and love you, you're going to be okay, even if life is really hard. Mm. But if your parents are the source of your trauma, then you really get messed up. Nice. Yeah, it makes sense that the way that you're supported is going to affect whether or not you feel traumatized. Profoundly um, so. Yeah. Huh? And I think it's uh, worth pointing out as well that two people might experience the same situation, but one maybe has an experience of support. Uh, the other one has an experience of not feeling supported. Whether or not that experience, the, the support was actually there, they have two different outcomes. It's a critical variable. For example, we have data on that. Like uh, after 9-11 in New York, uh, we expected that a lot of people would be very traumatized. That turned out not to be the case. That people who had a loving home life could go home, really feel terrified, feel upset, but they had people around them who protected each other. And they did not develop PTSD. The people who were in domestic violent situations who were harassing each other couldn't go home and feel safe again. And so that's very relevant right now with the COVID stuff. It is terrifying. Uh, the loss of jobs, the loss of, of institutions, the loss of schools, it's a, it's, a, it's a horrendously complicated situation. But if you feel basically that 
the people who count for you are there for you, love you. If you get hungry, that you will have friends who will give you food. Um, that somebody is there for you to take you to the hospital. That's the critical variable. Mm. So how important with that in mind is having community, the support of a community? Community is everything. Huh? So the critical issue is, is whether you feel safely embedded in a group of people. That's our nature. We are a bunch of monkeys who can talk. You know? uh, so if our troop is safe, we are basically okay. Huh? Uh, and we can let go. And if you feel really sick, if we know that we'll be taken care of, we just feel sick and we hope that sooner or later we'll get better. Uh, but if there's nobody there for you, then it becomes terrifying. Uh, so it is, uh, in our field, it has sort of developed, oh, let's define the outside of event, the outside events. Uh, what happens? And as we have learned more and more, it's not so much what happens, but who is there for you when that happens? Who knows that really well is the military. Mm. Uh, when you become a Marine, you know that your buddies are going to be there for you. And if you get wounded, they will put their life on the line to drag you out of the field. Even if you die, they will put their life on the line to get your corpse out. Uh, and that sense of my pe people have my back is the critical issue about trauma. Yeah, absolutely. So those are some ways that people can protect themselves from traumatic experience and overcome trauma uh, through resiliency. <coughs> what are some ways that they can overcome trauma if they've experienced a trauma and it was traumatizing? What are some ways to reconnect and build that sense of safety and security? Well, the, the core of safety is an internal sense. And so you need to need to learn to establish a sense of internal safety. What oftentimes happens in traumatized people is that they say, I can't do it, so you have to do it for me. But other people cannot do it for you. Other people can say, I'll be stick, I'll stick with you no matter what. But at the end, you have to work on making yourself feel safe. And in order to do that, you have to move your body. You have to feel your body. Uh, and uh, as part of, uh, part of the many studies I've done, uh, we found, for example, that doing yoga regularly is a very powerful uh, help to deal with the traumatized self. Uh, because uh, if you really do these yoga exercises, you move and you breathe and you get in touch with every part of your body, then you change your relationship of your mind to your brain to your body and you start getting a sense of ownership of this is who I am and this is the body I need to take care of. And so to reestablish a sense of this is the body that I live in, that I need to take care of, that I love, becomes a central issue. Very hard to do when you're traumatized because yeah. trauma is oftentimes accompanied by a sense of self-loathing hating yourself for who you are, having been too weak, too stupid, too angry, too something or another to defend yourself against the trauma. And so at the core of every psycho effective psychological, biological sense of intervention is to, to cultivate that sense of, I am here to take care of this little animal, that's me. Mm. 
And that means that you need to really devote yourself to, to helping your body to become calm. And that means that you have to do something like yoga or Qigong or singing with people or moving with people or dancing with people. How to do something where your body feels in tune and safe with other human beings. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I know from my own experience, uh, overcoming traumas and wanting to reconnect with people, um, music has been great. I've been doing a ukulele class yeah. with my sister. Uh, that's a lot of great, fun. Great. And that experience- Jake Shimabakura. Sorry? <laughs> Jake Shimabakura, mm -hmm. uh, the great ukulele player. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I wasn't aware. Yeah, I'm on my way to becoming a ukulele rock star, but uh, I still got a ways to oh, go. Fantastic. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just been a, an amazing experience. And yeah. you talked a lot about, you know, sort of getting your mind and your body in tune because while yeah. our minds could be present in the moment and know there's no danger, our bodies don't have that awareness. That's and right. in fact, the, the title of your book is The Body Keeps the Score. Right. Can you tell us about that and how the mind and the body relate to trauma together? Well, you know, we are in such a heady society that we think that our minds are running the show. But in fact, uh, when you get scared, and actually we did the first neuroimaging study of trauma, and what we found is very, made very big impression on me, is that when people are in their trauma, that whole mind basically disappears. And you become just a frightened animal that's just into survival. And the survival, the survival animal is you and your body. And so at that point, you just want to take care of your body. And then your body starts giving you signals uh, that I call heartbreaking and gut-wrenching sensations. And then you want to push your body away and not feel those sensations. You get into your head, you get into drugs, you get into alcohol, you get into all kinds of stuff to not feel yourself. And so that's, that's very clear. Uh, that's not something, you know, you can argue about it, but I will win that argument. I mean, that's, the science is so clear about that. So you need to get uh, that your body keeps reacting as if you're in danger. And so it becomes our job to help your body to calm down and to feel very deeply it is over. And that's oftentimes very hard work. Uh, and so you may, may have discovered it by playing the ukulele. Um, I have a, I know a guy who discovered it by becoming a really good tango dancer. Um, uh, I know people who have done it by becoming really good, good yoginis. Uh, but there is something having, that has to do with your core relationship to your internal self that really is the, the road to delivery, basically. And then, of course, if you're lucky, when you play a musical instrument or you become a dancer, you also become part of a community of people who have fun together and who support each other. Absolutely. Yeah, those are all vital pieces. Um, and I think it's the fact that you point out that there's so many different ways you can approach uh, trauma recovery, and it's just a matter of finding what works for you. Yeah, and, and that's a question of luck and know where you live and who you run into and uh, what appeals to you and what ethnicity you come from, what religion you come from. And so, so one of the 
really great things about my life has been that I've been to a lot of places fairly intensively and I see that people in China deal with it very differently than people in Africa and very different from people in Holland where I was born and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so because this is the Mentally Fit podcast and our company, our community is called Mentally Fit, yeah. we have one more question for you. And that is, okay. what does it mean to be mentally fit? To be mentally fit means that your mind is online. That means that your, line is the, your mind is there for you to help you to do what you need to do, you know? And so basically, mind, be mindfully fit is having a mind that's there for you, you know, that you can use. So if you decide to write a book, you, your mind is there for you to write a book. And if you decide to play the ukulele, your mind is there to help you play the ukulele. And your mind doesn't get this distracted all the time by other stuff. Um, so a healthy mind is a mind that is alive and with you. <laughs> Excellent, I love that answer. Thank you yeah. so much. For people who want to learn more about you, uh, connect with you, check out your offerings, like your books and your courses, where can we- uh, Yeah, my courses. We have a, a virtual trauma conference coming up that I'm very excited about. Uh, so the best thing is my website, www.bestelvandelkoek.com or uh, uh, the Trauma Research Foundation uh, and my book. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Dr. Bessel Vanderkock, MD. He is just an incredible resource for all things trauma recovery. And I'm just so grateful that he was willing to share his time with us today. If you have any follow-up questions on this topic or you want to discuss this topic more, you can join us in the Mentally Fit community and we would love to talk with you. I would love to hear from you, find out what your experience has been like overcoming trauma and yeah you can get connected to support with other people like yourself um, like me who are in there just working on themselves bettering their lives and we would love to have you with us so join us at joinmentallyfit.com and again that's joinmentallyfit.com check it out join the community and i look forward to speaking with you there all right i'll see you soon take care